Welcome to the Yup She Said It podcast, where we are dedicated to empowering you, to uplifting you, to educating you, ranging from students to student athletes, to professionals and to entrepreneurs by equipping you with the necessary tools so that you can move through life effectively and efficiently with the passion desire to be your best self. And we hope that when you end this episode, you walk away saying, yep, she said it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first segment of the Yep, She Said It podcast, and it is called Marley's Message. If this is your first time tuning in, I am so excited that you have decided to join. This is our first episode, our series premiere of season five. And oh my God, like y'all don't even know, we have decided to step it up. And when I say we, I mean my team have really got to, gotten together to come up with content. Shout out to Shell Tyson, who's my digital media producer. Shout out to Deanna Blackburn, who is coming through with editing a lot of my content for my workshops, helping me come up with concepts. I'm just so thankful for those of you that have been on this journey. It has truly, truly been a journey. And we were very strategic strategic about this season um, in regards to who we brought on who we interviewed, and what was the message that we were trying to get across. So just know that every episode that you're going to hear will have a special guest. Um, They are all doing something a little different. Um, Either they are directly involved in sports, um, whether they were a former athlete or just very passionate about the space of athletics. We have authors, we have coaches, we have um, entrepreneurs. I mean, their stories are incredible on what they're doing and they're all in different avenues so shout out to everyone and in this episode um i have tamika newman that you'll hear a little more from later but first to really dig into um kind of getting back into the podcast flow obviously guys there has been so much going on in the world and it was a part of the reason why i had to just kind of step back and make sure that I was taking care of myself because you all know, and if you don't know, I like to show up as my authentic self with my real voice, with my real feelings, so that I can be uh, transparent and understanding and making sure that I'm articulating, you know, how I really feel that I can help others and what people need to hear. I feel like the words and the things that we watch, the things that we read, that we hear, our audio and our visual ability really feeds to our soul. And if you are not mindful of that, it can be toxic. So I had to step away and start to really strategize and be intentional about where I was spending my energy so that I could show up in these spaces organically. And so you guys know that I'm in school, working on my doctorate, I'm in my third year, and it's it's crazy. You know, workshops have been amazing. Uh, word of mouth of my business or the BFCA experience has been taking off. So we've been doing athlete development workshops. Um, I've been doing some meditation wellness workshops for some nonprofits um, and for-profit organizations across the country. Um, I've been creating uh, content for those that are interested in creating and implementing training programs for some of their companies. And I'm now basically basically facilitating trainings every week. So it's been extremely, extremely busy, but I'm so thankful um, in this midst of a pandemic and racial injustice, which is not new to me being a black woman in America, but it has been so real. 
And so as I was thinking, what do I want my inspirational message to be this week? You know, with this segment, Marley's message, I always try to come through with some with some knowledge, with some gems, something that can really inspire you all that are listening. And for me, the message today is just two words. Show up. Show up for yourself. Show up in the space. Show up in the world. Allow yourself to be seen and allow and allow yourself to Feel that you are being seen. See yourself. You know, you have to recognize who you are through internal validation and recognizing who you are for you. But you also have to be cognizant and be aware of how you show up in the world. And so for those of us that are black or we are we are uh, people of color. So when I say POC, but I like to make sure that when I am speaking of myself as being a black woman, um, I'm a black woman. So the POC, people of color, WOC, women of color, that is very inclusive. But for me, I'm a black woman. And so I've really had to make sure that the message that I need to continue to feed and allow myself to grow is connecting with me in a way that I continue to challenge myself and excel in a way that I've never done before. So that's tapping into myself spiritually. I've been allowing myself to show up in spaces to where I am digging into the word with something that I've I've really gotten away from, but also I've never really done consistently. So every week I've been gathering with my family, we've been having Bible study. And for me, that's what I need. I needed the foundation of the word. I needed the reminder to know that these are just are not my thoughts and I'm just not doing things out of tradition, but I'm doing it with the goal and the intention to be fulfilled, to show up in the world in a way that it can impact others, to show up and be an example that this is an effective and a great way to live so that you can make the difference for others. I'm not here to to beat people down and say, you have to be a Christian, this is the way you need to live. But I know that there are some people that will say, wow, she sees things in a different light. Wow, she shows up in a different way. Wow, she shows up and shows out in a different way that's positive, that's encouraging, that's fun. And then people become more interested in learning more about what you're doing. So I am trying to be in a intentional, in a in a mindful, like all the way around a space of showing up in the world because right now, the way that the world is going, sometimes you don't want to show up. Sometimes you just want to lay back in the cut so that you don't have to bring too much attention to yourself. But I've recognized that the only way that change can happen and the change that can happen through me, whether it's impacting communities, is impacting people individually, is impacting teams, is impacting parents, is for me to show up and to sometimes say what others are too afraid to say. To sometimes say what people are thinking, but they don't know how to articulate it. To sometimes say what people are feeling, but they don't know if it's a safe space to let it go and let it flow. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. I want you to step away from this message and from this episode as you hear Tamika's journey and what she went through and what she continues to push for. Because so many of us are challenged with going after what we think is it by going after what people have told us we should do for going after what people tell us that we should be and not realizing that we are suppressing ourselves we are limiting and we are delaying our opportunities to get to what God has really designed for us so take some time for yourself listen to what Miss Tamika Newman has to say and start to think about how you can show up for yourself Now let's get into the episode. 
All right, now we're going to jump into obviously my probably my favorite segment because it's actually where you guys get to hear the interview and honestly the interviews are are so much fun and on this episode I got a chance to connect with Tamika Newman and she describes herself as a person who is always striving to break glass ceilings set new standards and just lead the way by explaining and being transparent about her journey from the past to the present she is a native Houstonian which means she's from Houston um, and she is a pa- very passionate about sports and helping students in underserved communities. And she's really been able to do that by merging her passion of education and athletics. Tamika's also a business owner of the Grit and Grind Athletics LLC, and she is an athletic service provider. She's committed to providing affordable and professional skills and leadership training to both players and coaches. Now, with her education, honey, she has a bachelor's in communications and a master's in in business administration. So you already know she's coming with it, okay? She is a graduate of Prairie View A&M and Texas Southern University, and she has a passion for professional and personal development and mentorship. She truly believes in paying it forward, and you will really hear that in her interview. And she still, to this day, takes on mentees so that she, she can support them through their journey. All right, so let's jump right into our interview. Welcome to the Yup She Said It podcast. I am your host and I am so excited about our special guest today, Ms. Tamika Newman. We are kicking off a new season. And if you're on the podcast, you've already heard like her, her bio. It's comma, 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 comma. Like she's coming with it. And so as I'm going through our season, I said, you know, we need to kick off our season with Tamika. We need to know her journey, her experience, because it's so empowering. Um, for us to hear about from a woman, from a black woman, from an athlete, because you're touching so many different people. And I think in this time, this is what we need. So again, with your new book that you have out, I'm going to have you talk about that. With your your current assistant volleyball coach at Prairie View A&M, I'm just like, this lady is busy, busy, busy. So tell us a little bit about yourself. And thank you again for coming on. Tell us about your journey um, let's start with sports. Like, what was your, I know you were a multi-sport athlete, so how did this all come about? I don't know when I was exposed to volleyball other than seventh grade, you know, middle school tryouts. Basketball was played uh, in my neighborhood. We had a black top court, regulation size. It was very popular, very famous um, for uh, really good street ball players and high school up and coming players to come over and play. So I started playing mostly out of being uh, denied access to playing. Wow. <laughs> the, the obsession didn't start until my grandmother kind of made it clear that that's not what she wanted me to do. And you know, what is it? Rejection breeds obsession. Right. So, yes. So my brother signed up for a church league when I was in the sixth grade. They signed up. I signed up when she went to pay registration. They told her I was, you know, on the list. And she um, was upset with me, but decided to pay for it. So that was my first exposure to basketball. Got in middle school and was really behind in both. Really behind in both. I really loved the technical side of volleyball. I was 5'8", 5'9". I was this height in the eighth grade. 
Okay. So I was one of the first people that could hit. So that was uh-huh. exciting <laughs> to exert some power. Um, and then some of the skills in basketball translated. So when I would get to volleyball, I was a little quicker and more aggressive than some of the vo- kids who just did volleyball. So I started to see how they, um, that one prepared me for the other and decided, you know, I didn't want to choose. So I did both in high school. My school wasn't very good in athletics. So I was on the varsity basketball team as a freshman. And um, you were good, good. You were good, good. <laughs> play the undersized post, had to grow up really fast. You know, we would play some of the best schools in the city, and I'd be guarding a six foot two girl. Wow. So, playing with the guys really that really came yeah. in handy when it was time to do that with volleyball. Um, really kind of uh, start teaching myself the footwork that I was behind on, practicing, spiking the ceiling. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the foot, I realized I was really behind in the footwork. And so I would practice approaching to the net, you know, to spike the ball anywhere there was space. Yeah. And I looked up and I had improved tremendously with volleyball. So uh, did really well with both of those. In high school, get to senior year when people start asking, okay, which one are you gonna play in college? And I really truly believe that I could do both. Mm-hmm. And that's how I wound up at Prairie View. Two schools told me I could do that. It was Mary Hart and Baylor, which is in Central Texas. And Prairie View told me I could do both. And then Blend, a community college, told me I could do basketball. So with my grandmother's blessing, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to Prairie View. So. That's kind of how I got That is incredible. I mean, just to be a a dual athlete on the collegiate level is amazing within itself, let alone the university allowing you, but the commitment and just the the, the dedication you really have to have to the craft to make that happen. Um, And you're going back to back while one season is ending. I mean, I remember when I was playing volleyball in college, when we were breaking down the net, the, the ball players were already out there shooting around waiting for us to get off the court. So. Yes, yes, so and I had did that my entire life. I couldn't see myself not doing that when we were done with volleyball. I'd always traded in my tights for basketball shorts. So wow. I was, yeah, I, yeah. That is incredible. And so as you're going through your career, so we see the discipline early on. We see the commitment. We see that when you want something, you go after it. We see that when you first started the sport, we're seeing that through your college life and through sports. So after you graduated and you started in your career, and I remember reading some of your uh, uh, reading some of your your work, and then also looking on some of your your videos and interviews that you've done. You talked about trying uh, feeling that moment where it was. I thought it was going to be more than this. I thought I was going to feel a little different. I thought I was going to be happier. I thought, you know, you just have that feeling of expectation that a lot of athletes were kind of like, wait, there's, there's what's missing. You know, I have the degree, I accomplished everything. So tell me how your transition um, impacted you emotionally, physically, mentally to get you to the point where you are an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, an author, a, a coach. Like how, how, how did you get to that point? Because that is a very tough time for a lot of us. Yeah, it is. Uh, I struggled with, and we're realizing it's more common now, I couldn't see myself as anything other than an athlete. And 
um, I progressed that to I couldn't see myself as more than a coach for about wow. 10 years. <laughs> so it went on over into coaching. I was addicted to winning, training for something, setting goals and accomplishing them. And it seemed a natural fit. I actually got into coaching, started to take coaching serious after I, I was coaching at a small charter school. I took a kid home and she didn't have running water and plumbing. I thought to myself, wow, my situation wasn't that bad growing up, but coaches have played such a vital role in sports, have played such a vital role in me having a distraction from being low income and growing up in dysfunction. I felt like I could do that for young girls. So that got me into coaching and doing well in coaching got me a little bit away from my intended goal. I say that because I ended up getting jobs in affluent areas and their struggles aren't the same. Right. Um, so where I thought my impact would be felt, it I really was frustrated that it wasn't. It wasn't. So I coached high school for 10 years. Mm-hmm. The final year was the worst year mentally, physically, and everything. Uh, Just went into a very toxic environment. The worst stories you hear about youth sports Mm -hmm. happened in a matter of about four months for me. Um, You know, ugly emails, um, anonymous letters, even a parent waiting, claiming, uh, you know, kind of threatening to do me harm. I even... I eat in the midst of all of this. I have a four-year-old daughter. I actually forgot to make arrangements for her to get picked up during one of my games. And that 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 set off something for me in my right. head. And right. Just got me to thinking, you know, what was I willing to sacrifice for winning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm careful. I'm, I always note that. I left coaching high school winner. I left with accolades, coach of the year. I, I left with the uh, the big upsets. I've coached teams that have upset teams. Oh, I've coached over 20 plus athletes that have gone on to play college for the college national team. I coached really talented kids. And I, right. I, you know, I really believe that I was supposed to be, you know, I was, the timing was right. I was supposed to be coaching these kids. This is winning. You know, this is winning if you coach. And I looked up and it it was, I wasn't. Wow. So that kind of plays on my title, redefining for yourself. And we know athletes, we're chasing winning. That's why we get up, you know, at the crack of dawn and we go to bed after everybody else. That's why we put our body through grueling practices year in and year out. That's why I played. I couldn't decide if I wanted to play volleyball or basketball. Right, exactly. <laughs> I wanted more wins. Right, and right. I, and before I ever picked up a, a ball, I always wanted to win. And I wanted to win because of what I read in books. Right. It's like, okay, right. my life looks like this, but all the books I read told me of, you know, it told stories of people whose lives looked a lot different. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to accomplish those things. I wanted to get there. So I always had a winning yeah. spirit, um, want a want to win attitude. But it was so misguided. Mm. It was, it's it was so, so true. misguided. 
Yeah, it, I was misguided in what I thought it looked like to win. And, and some of that was from my environment. So I truly believe when you're born, whatever circumstance you're born into, there's kind of this invisible ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's this um, place you can get to that, hey, you made it. If you get there from here, that's making it. Right, right. Which is why I stayed in teaching, because teaching is a stable career. Mm -hmm. Here in Texas, where I am, it was, you know, financially, you were able to do a lot of things, way more things than I did when I, you know, was able to do when I was growing up. Right. Um, You know, the chances of you getting fired are slim to none, unless you do something crazy. It was, (laughs) it represented stability. Yeah. Yeah. I was just grateful to be there. And and I was raised to see life through a lens of gratitude. My grandmother <laughs> was big on that, made us, you know, revert. Uh, she made us repeat a Bible verse. This is the day the Lord is made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Right. Um, everything we learned at church taught us to be grateful. But I, I think that being grateful kind of keeps you stuck. I think that it, mm. it causes you to... Um, you know, you lack creativity. You limit your confined. Yeah, you're confined yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's an interesting perspective. I, yeah. I can definitely see how that happens. And you know, with you talking about the the feeling and kind of searching for that, that is absolutely what happens with a lot of athletes and a lot of the research that I've done. Um, and I use a, a framework that was developed by William Cross. And you're talking about these journeys and these experiences that you hit in these different phases throughout your life. But through everything, it seems like you've hit, you're in the final stage of his model and it's called internalization commitment. And that is not a stage that a lot of people get to. And it says that you basically have arrived at a place in your life where you can reflect, kind of pick the pieces and and bring them to where you are and figure out and sort them out and determine how you can give back and acknowledge and help others so that their path can be a little, I want to say easier, but better understood. So they have more opportunities to make more effective decisions. And so with your upbringing, with your journey in athletics, with your discipline, but also with hitting those moments of uncertainty, of I'm sure with, you know, self-reflection and self-esteem and, and find, finding the authenticity within yourself, because often sports can, can really create a false image sometimes, oh, yeah. right? And that's what we know is our athletic identity. We identify ourselves as a sport, and then with being a dual athlete, that the game was was you. You were the game. There was no other question. So you had to kind of rediscover yourself. And the fact that you were able to see yourself in communities that you knew you could make an impact and you trusted yourself enough to go to different places, because I, I was similar. I was running a tutoring program in a very affluent area here in South Florida. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't it, you know, because the marketing, the marketing they wanted wasn't for, for people like me. I wasn't supposed to go to certain schools or certain neighborhoods or market in certain places. And I was like, oh no, that's not, so I did opposite of that. And through that is where I found a lot of discrepancies. I found a lot of inequality and inequalities. And I found the same with athletics. So God will open those doors for you, but you have to be willing to kind of take a chance. And taking a chance isn't always easy, you know? Yes. Um, but that's why I'm so excited about your book and the, the redefining the success is 
powerful. And let me let me ask you this: How do you define success now? Uh, I think that pursuing your passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pursuing, pursuing, all in pursuing your passion. Yeah. And I actually, that's actually my definition of being greedy. Whereas on the surface, that sounds like I'm doing me. Mm-hmm. I truly believe you doing you all the way benefits others. It rubs off on others. Yes. It inspires others. And I didn't think of greedy in that way. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it was always, I'm grateful. I'm I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm just happy to be of service. Uh, and, and then I painted a picture of what being of service looked like and did that. And then I wasn't of service anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you would do better. Yeah. People coming up behind you and, and your peers and everybody observing you, you do better fully chasing after your purpose and yeah. going hard after your passions. And, and really, and you got to really check in with yourself when you're doing That's stuff. It. That's it, it. Yes. Is this for? Do I really enjoy this, or is this? Does this looks like success in the eyes of other people, or is this is this career held in a high regard? I have a friend who's an engineer, went all the way to doctorate level, and it's like I think I got started doing this because it was a. You know, a career we hold in a high regard. And I got so far in, I was like, let me finish. Mm-hmm. And, and she doesn't, you know, she's like, yeah. I don't know that I wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> and um, and that's just my most recent example. And that's a huge example. We're talking about like 15 years of schooling later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you when you talk about what your environment or what we see as success, if you don't have those, those the mentors that have seen different opportunities or try or attempted different opportunities, it can be very limited. So for some of us, it's still possible, but it may take us a little longer to get there just based on our environment, but we can still get there. Um, I think it's so powerful that you have taken a word and really reframed it because I do think you're right. You have to be able to be committed to be all in and being willing to take the risk. And sometimes that's losing the stability. That's losing the comfort circle. And that is absolutely terrifying, you know? But I think for a lot of us, we have to make that that shift mentally. And if we're spiritual, it's absolutely a spiritual shift um, when you're stepping out of something that appears to not make any sense to anyone. People may say that you're crazy. It, it's different. And, and then with, with your book, what is it? How how is your book going to help people guide themselves and their journey with success? I, I, your title is powerful. And I know you separated into I think three phases. Is that correct? Yeah, that that was my goal. Is that you would be able to see when my mindset started to change. Mm-hmm. I think um, reflecting on my childhood and when I start to get these ideologies. It's definitely going to be thought-provoking for the reader. You're going to go back and say, oh, when my parents were doing this, this is what this is what was shaping in me. This was the idea that I was getting. Yeah. I talk about my grandmother being resilient. 
And I admired that about her. And, and that's a quality she passed on to me. And I wouldn't be here sane today if I didn't have a level of resilience. Mm-hmm. But it also, it also caused me, or it, it caused me not to understand when it was okay to quit something, when it was okay to walk away. Wow. I, I was too immature to, to understand that it was a gray, there's a gray area. Yeah. So uh, one of the keys in my book, um, I, I say resilience sometimes look sometimes looks like quitting something. Um, I'm I quote myself. Sometimes looks like pivoting towards something that gives you greater purpose. So walking away from something and putting your focus and energy on something else that gives you greater purpose, that's going to look like quitting to somebody. Right. But that, but to me, my definition, that's being resilient. Yeah. So that's one and of self-care. the Yeah. It's self-care, right? Self-care, self-preservation. Oh. And I think people need to realize that because resiliency demonstrates strength, but it also will lead to burnout. Like if you don't take care of yourself and you try to be so tough and push through every situation that comes and you don't stop and take a moment. Um, you're not going to have enough energy to make the pivot to get to what you're supposed to be doing because you've been resilient for the last 20 years. Um, and, and that's just in your adult life. You know what I'm saying? That's 20, going to 20 to 30 years old. And it's like, okay, this is 10 years where I've tried to be strong and now I'm getting like, this really isn't it. How do I get there? You know? So I think that is incredible that your book is going to do that because when I work with parents of athletes, I often have to take them back to when they were athletes, if they played, to talk about their experience with their parents when they were an athlete, you know, to kind of take them back to those moments of what, how their parents reacted when they missed a shot in a game, um, how their parents reacted when they got injured. And now they start to recognize those same behaviors and words that they're using with their children um, just because of what they were, how they were raised and what they think that that, um, delivers and creates in a person to make them strong, to make them resilient, to make them, you know, more, more angry into the sport. And I'm like, did it help you? (laughs) How did you feel after? Think back. We we talk about, we talk about sports mimicking life and that it teaches us life lessons and coaches leave it there. But, But people don't go back and really explain and break down and show kids where you're going to be able to transfer the skills. That's it. Yeah. And I, it t- I'm 34 and I, I'm like, I have a chapter called trust your training. And it's like, it was, and it talks about me having a premature daughter and the, the crazy delivery story and my health and all that. And I'm like, trust your training, you know, all the stuff that I had been through prior was getting, you know, everything you've gone through prior is getting you ready for the next challenge. Right. And so I just, I really believe, and I'm super passionate about, you know, explaining specifically to, to kids and athletes where you can transfer the skills from sports to life because it's not as apparent as we think no, as coaches. It's not. It's going to help you for life. But how? Right, right. <laughs> they me. need to know how. <laughs> Tell me where my footwork or my handles are gonna help me in life. Tell me, and and that you think that way, but until we break down what it is, the behaviors, the thought process, the dedication, the consistency, is what we have to teach them. So 
it, it's, I'm glad that you are able to do that. I'm glad to see another sister doing it. I'm glad to see another woman doing it um, because it's something that's so needed and often you don't hear us having the conversation, right? When you talk about what things should look like or who's having these conversations, um, with my research being a, uh, primarily for black female athletes, um, there's only a handful of us that actually do the, the research. And as far as my mentors, it's a very tight circle of black women who research this population. So anytime I see, I see a fellow sister come on and say, you know what, this is my experience. This is what I'm doing. And then when I saw those commas, I said, oh no, we gotta, we gotta have her on. She gotta open up the season and let people know, you know, what can really change your life because your book is necessary for coaches, for parents, for current players, for former players. And I really feel like it, it can connect. I think teams can have this. I think uh, organizations can have this to process it. Uh, we have the time. We have the time right now to read, yes, <laughs> to process, and to really better ourselves. So I just want to say thank you for taking time to come on to the Yep, She Said It podcast. Guys, we are going to have everything of where you can find her book, her website, all of her information in the podcast description. On YouTube, we'll have it in the episode description as well. Also, her contact information so you can follow with her for anything. I wish you nothing but blessings and many, many sales with your book. I can't wait to read it because just hearing and going and processing and just looking like, oh my gosh, this is powerful. Like I see me in this book, even what I'm doing now, like you can always learn. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope that I was able to help somebody. I hope they got any, any small thing out of what I said. Uh, and like you said, a, a platform for Black female athletes is so necessary. Every other uh, podcast I've been on is like, I don't think I know any Black women coaches or know anything yeah. about Black mm -hmm. athletic women coaches. So it's still a rarity, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and talking about volleyball, that's also what's huge is that oh, yeah. a, a must that's a whole nother episode, honey. Oh yeah. Talk that's about black nother. women and volleyball. We're trying to work on something now, so stay tuned because it's a whole movement that's happening, but I need it to happen. Um, because it's serious and people don't want to talk about it, but we might they need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank Lisa. you so much. You yeah. are welcome. Take care, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Yep, She Said It podcast. Hey guys, hope that you enjoyed the podcast. I'm your host, Marley, and I just want to give you a friendly reminder before we head out to make sure you subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube. Our YouTube channel is the BFCA Experience, stands for Black Female Collegiate Athlete, and that is also the name of my business. You can also listen to us and follow us on iHeartRadio, on Spotify. Spotify, check this out. Michelle Obama now has a podcast, which basically means we're coworkers, which basically means in my head, we're best friends and like she works hard. So I work hard and this is what you want to be involved with. You know what I'm saying? So make sure um, you also check us out on Stitcher. We're basically available everywhere with the exception of title that will come one day. Um, so make sure you check us out, leave a review. And if you also have a business or a product that you're looking to promote, email us at the BFACA experience at gmail.com. So we 
can create a personalized package for you to advertise your business or your company. We're here to support, uplift, and educate. And we want you to walk away from this episode saying, yep, she said it.